Welcome to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. I'm Gabby. And I'm Sarah. And we are two physical therapy students on our journey to get that DPT debt free. And our vision for you is to get through PT school on your first try without any debt. Join us as we navigate through the insanity of physical therapy school together. Do you feel like it's hard to find scholarships for PT school? That's why we started the Gratitude Scholarship to help SPTs just like you, whether you're at an accredited school, you were on academic probation for not getting a B, whether you're first year, second year, third year, it does not matter. Good thing is, all you need to be is a current student physical therapist. Check out how you can support, share, and apply with a link in the description. Welcome to another episode of Gratitude, everyone. And for today, we have a very special guest for all of you. And we are so excited to have Emma on the podcast. And thank you so much for coming on. Ah, oh, thank you. Thank you, Gabby. I'm really excited to be here on the Gratitude podcast. And I'm really excited to share a little bit about my story, uh, talk to you about debt. So all of you listening, if you're like, I have so much student loans or I am about to have so much student loans. This is the perfect podcast for you because I'm going to literally walk you through the framework that I've used for so many people. I'm not going to hold anything back and we are going to hopefully help you feel so much more confident with what you need to do with your student loans and how you can potentially tackle them either right now as a student or when you graduate. So I'm, I'm really excited to be on here. Thank you. Oh my God. We are so pumped for this. And before we like dive into this, can we first just hear a background, like briefly, what got you into physical therapy and a little bit about what got you to this moment in time? For sure. Yeah. So, so my name is Dr. Emma Shapiro. I've been a PT for going on a little over six years now. Time is flying. Um, but I wanted to be a PT, uh, because I, I have a um, background. My family has, um, uh, special needs in their family. And uh, I've always worked in special education. My parents worked in special education. So it just sort of was really natural for me to, to try to maybe go into that field. And so I actually, when I graduated from undergrad with a degree in exercise biology, um, I was like, okay, what do I, what am I going to do with this degree? And it wasn't really quite sure. I wasn't, I hadn't picked PT yet. And so um, I actually taught special ed for a little bit and I loved it. Um, I loved the little, little peeves, my cuties, um, but I, it wasn't quite satisfying. It wasn't quite challenging enough uh, intellectually. And so um, that's where I sort of looked at what can I do next? And I fit all the check marks for being a PT. And I had done some PT internships prior uh, during, during my college uh, degree. And so I said, hey, let's let's do PT school. It, it blends with my athlete background as well. I was a division one tennis player and a black belt in karate. So I sort of had that typical like athlete uh, combination going on. And so um, I went to PT school and that's sort of what started um, all of sort of my online healthcare entrepreneurism, what started at first uh, debtfreept.com um, and now alternativehealthcarecareers.com because when I was going to school, I really did not understand the gravity of how much debt I was taking on. I didn't really get, I didn't really understand taxes. So when I looked at what I was going to make as a PT and saw, oh, okay, I'm going to make 70K. I'm like, that's easy. You know, 70 times two is 150. 
So if I graduate with $150,000 in debt, I'll take me two years to pay it off. Yes, that is not, not the right math at all. Not the right math at all. And so I had a little bit of savings and uh, I luckily, um, I'm a big nerd, so I got a scholarship and went to um, USC for grad school to become a DPT. And my first year, I'm thinking, okay, I got this. I can tackle my debt. No problem. I got some money in the bank. Well, that didn't even cover first quarter after, after my scholarships and all of that. And so that's when anxiety really hit me. And I didn't realize how much debt I was taking on and how challenging it would be to pay it off. And then I started to talk and have my internships and they started to tell me what they were paying their physical therapists. And my heart literally just was breaking. It felt like someone was starting to squeeze my heart with anxiety and with this fear that, oh my God, what did I just do? You know, I, I really like being a PT. I really wanted to help people, but I feel like I've almost just destroyed my life with student loans. And I'm not exaggerating. That's how I felt. I suffered from extreme anxiety and I didn't really share that with people, but my grad school experience, I didn't go out to eat. I didn't go out to party. I didn't go out to do any of that stuff. And it really left me without any, a lot of friends and other things because I was so anxious about my student loans and what I was going to do. And it just took me in this spiral. And, um, and so when I graduated, I realized that there were other things you can do than just traditional settings. And hang on, people, I will get to paying off your student loans. I'm sorry for this very long tangent, but I think it's important for you to know that you're not alone if you're suffering from anxiety or fear about your student loans. Um, because a lot of people don't talk about it. I think they do now more and probably, you know, thankful for this podcast. I'm sure, I'm sure these wonderful ladies here have have spoken about their feelings about this topic, but it's really an important topic to cover. And that you, if you're feeling that way, you're not alone. Because after I graduated and I started talking about my student loans and how to help people and I was mentoring people to do this and how, like what steps to take to help pay off your student loans, I was at CSM, which is a physical therapy conference. And my other peers and classmates were coming up to me saying, um, I didn't know you felt that way. I was feeling that same way too. And so I just, just want to share a little bit of my, my story that, with that. Um, so quickly fast forward, um, when I graduated, I was determined to try to pay off my student loans, which had now accumulated to about maybe 150, even though I slept on a floor in a mattress, I ate nothing but peanut butter sandwiches. I was like hobo style. Hashtag Emma is a hobo. <laughs> for real, for real. I don't even want, I, I'm not even going to tell you what my boyfriend called my room because, you know, it was just a bed on the floor in a room. Um, and so, and so, um, but when I graduated, I, I really looked for jobs and I found actually a contracting position that paid $87,000 a year. And this got me uh, going into this idea of like, wow, there are actually different routes to go than just regular regular, you know, the regular outpatient or the regular inpatient, you have all these different little nuances to your career that you didn't even know about. And a lot of people actually didn't really respect my choice to be a contractor, even though I, I'm doing PT just like them. I'm just getting paid about one and a half times more, almost two times more, depending upon. 
And so um, unfortunately, that job I had to leave because my boyfriend, now fiance, we had to move to New Jersey um, for his job. And so then I stumbled upon traveling and now I made six figures a year. And once again, though, people were really hesitant. They really didn't respect that choice. They really didn't understand it. And I was actually really afraid to be a traveler because I thought I was going to ruin my career. I was like, this is sketchy. Like, this is too good to be true. Like, I'm going to make six figures like, like as a newish grad. What? What? And so it started me on this whole entrepreneur track where um, I wrote a book about traveling and I wanted to talk to people about not just the careers that you can do, but then also more about your student loans and sort of the steps you can take to really try to position yourself to pay off your student loans. Because within about three years of traveling, I had enough money accumulated to be able to pay off my student loans. And so I was like, oh my God, this is, I need to share this. Um, and so that is my very long-winded story of how this got started. <laughs> Not long-winded at all. It was amazing. You condensed like, what was that? Six or <laughs> nine years. You just condensed into a pretty con or short story. So that was amazing. And I think it's so great to hear because students Although maybe we're talking about debt more now, it's still not the norm, you know, and that's what we're all here to change. So, okay, without further ado, we'll, we'll let you get into it here. So what are the five steps to debt freedom? Awesome. So what I, what I try to do with student loans is to try to like simplify how you can pay off your debt. And, and I'm not a financial advisor. I am not, a, you know, any sort of you know, finance expert, what I'm going to show you are more just like strategies that you can do yourself that are going to make it really easy for you to pay off your debt. And also just think about what's the next steps, you know, because not always is the proper path for you to pay off your debt ASAP. And that's really what I, what I want to convey to you is it depends on a lot of different uh, different things. It depends on where you live. It depends on your family. It depends on, you know, dependents. Do you have to feed your family, your children, your grandma, your grandpa, then becoming debt-free is not a smart path and there's other paths for you. So we're going to go into those nuances here. Um, so what I'm going to try to share with you in hopefully, <laughs> I don't know, how much time do we have? 45 minutes, 30 minutes? Um, is how to get an understanding of your loans. Because before you know what to do next, you sort of have to understand the numbers, which is what I didn't do. I didn't know how, but I'm going to try to teach you in a very easy, simple way. And then we're going to talk about different high paying positions because more than anything else, the two things that will affect how well you and how quickly you pay off your student loans is decreasing your housing costs your, your basically your reoccurring costs, and then getting a high paying position. The higher you can get paid, the quicker you can pay off your student loans. It's as easy as those two things. If you, if you have to leave right now and you can't watch this podcast anymore, work your butt off to try to find a high paying position and then really minimize your reoccurring costs. Um, so I'm going to try to share with you how you can create a combined income of $100,000, even as a new grad, and then how you can be debt-free with all that, and we'll put it all together. Okay, um, so basically here are the different sections we're gonna cover, and I don't know if we'll be able to cover all of them. We'll try our best, but we're gonna go and define our debt-free goals. Then we're gonna talk about how to lower your interest rate. 
then build a repayment strategy and then maximize your earnings and your savings. And so, okay. So um, you want to first create a goal that is very concrete to paying off your student loans. So if you don't have a goal, try to think about what that is. And you can have that goal be really flexible. So I want Gabby and I want everyone here listening to think about how fast you want to pay off your student loans. And there's a, there's a method to my madness because we're going to put that in a calculation that's going to help you understand how much you have to pay towards your loan to then be able to pay it off in that amount of time. So you have to think, what is your goal? Is your goal to pay it off in five years, in 10 years, in 15 years? What about you guys? What's, what's, your, what's your goal? You're like, one year, immediately. Well, you see, yeah, that's the goal. <laughs> that's the goal. <laughs> that's the goal. Awesome. Well, let's make it a little bit more generous. How about pay off six figures in two years or less? How about that? Okay. So we'll start with that. And you're going, Emma, you're a crazy woman. That's not possible. It is if you work hard and if you are very focused and strategic. Now, this also is for someone that doesn't really have any ties. So we're going to talk about more in a little bit that this is not always appropriate for you. If you're here listening and you're going, well, I have a big old family that I have to feed for, then this strategy may not be right for you. And you may want to look into other strategies like getting a job with the VA that can help you with paying off your loans, getting a job in a public service sector that allows for you to have public service loan forgiveness. That way you can provide for your family and have that in the back of your mind and have that as your debt-free strategy. So there's not just one strategy. Even though, and, and this is the tricky thing about student loans, is that your plan will change. You don't know where you're going to live and where you're going to be at. That's why if you have a small amount of student loans, try to pay them off as fast as possible. But for me, I was moving all over the place. It was really challenging for me to, to sort of know what to do. So I actually didn't really tackle my student loans. And I saved for sort of this moment where I'm like, well, should I put all the money in my student loans or should I save it for something else, maybe like growing my family and having a life one day. And so three years into traveling, I, I basically sat down on the bed and I was like, I've need to, I need to choose. I'm either going to start paying off my student debt and just tackle this and put all of the money that I've saved into this, or I need to find another job because I was getting a bit tired with traveling. And so luckily at that time, there was a VA job. And so I had applied for a VA job previously as a new grad and didn't get it. And then I applied again when I first moved to New Jersey and I didn't get it, but I applied a third time and then I got it. And so I got this interview and I aced the interview and they hired me. And so that, if I didn't have that, I would have been tackling my student loans. But because I got that job at the VA, now I'm doing public service loan forgiveness. And so it's sort of nice because I can sort of try to, you know, share as much as I can and be as much of an open book about both pathways. Um, and so this needs to be a three-hour podcast. <laughs> um, but, but basically, public service loan forgiveness, um, you can look at the exact criteria, but a lot of people have probably heard the negative around it. And a lot of people did not get public service loan forgiveness. A lot of people... Um, sort of 
got denied. And the biggest reason was because they weren't in uh, an appropriate loan status. Older loans did not qualify for public service loan forgiveness because public service loan forgiveness, you have to have certain type of loans, direct loans. Um, and so any new grad listening, you have direct loans. And so you um, I mean, I can't guarantee it. You'll have to look at your own loans, but you are highly likely in the correct loan category. So that's where these people, if you've seen in the media that they were getting denied, it's because they had different loans that weren't in that right category. Um, so you have to have proper categorized loans, which, you know, you do if you're, if you're young and a new grad, you have to then be working for a qualified employer doesn't have to be the VA, doesn't have to be a school, it just has to be a 501c3 um, nonprofit. So it just has to be like a nonprofit and qualified employer. If you don't know if your employer is qualified, then just go talk to HR and say, hey, like, is this business like a nonprofit? What is this business categorized? And they will be able to tell you and that way you'll know if you fit in that category or not. And you can do that in the interview. Like if you really want a public service loan forgiveness, um, satisfying job, you know, qualifying job, then in the interview, you can also ask them like, Hey, what, what, what category are you? What type of business are you? Um, then you have to be a full-time employee. Now full-time doesn't necessarily have to be 40 hours. It's what the employer considers full-time. Um, besides that, you have to be paying your payments on time, paying your payments in full. And um, let's see, am I missing anything? I don't have the list in front of me, but I think that's, that's about it in a nutshell. But when you, basically what's going to happen though, is when you sign on and you get hired as uh, an employee for a qualifying employer, after one month, and here's where I'm gonna, why I'm going to tell you after one month, after one month, you're going to have your HR rep sign a form. And I can give Gabby and them the links, but this form is an employer certification form. And the reason why this form is so vital in your ability to guarantee that you get public service loan forgiveness is that it tracks your qualifying payments. And so that's what all those other people did not do. And they did not then know did they have qualifying payments or not? And that's why it really hurt them when, because they did not make very clear and check right away whether or not they had qualifying, um, like met all the qualifications. And so simply, it's just a really easy form. It's like name, phone number, social, do you work for a qualified employer, a couple little check marks, and then your HR signs it. And then you submit that to um, Fed Loan Servicing, which is going to be your new loan servicer. And then they will then track that. Now, the reason, and then it'll show up, so it'll say, you've made one qualifying payment. Yes, you're in, you're good. Um, <laughs> and so the reason why I say that you do it one month after and have it be a full month so that it's a true like month of employment is because when I did it, I was like, I'm on this. I'm going to be getting public service loan forgiveness. Heck yeah. I'm not going to mess up like, like all those other people. I got this. I read, I know what to do. And so right away after I signed the dotted line, about a week after working, I had HR sign and I put in my form and then crickets and it still said zero. And I'm like, what, why? And it's because 
the government backtracks your payments. So you have to, um, and what I'm, it's hard to sort of explain, but, but you have to, you have to have made at least one payment in order for them to say, yes, you had a qualifying payment and then they backtrack. So you fill in the form, uh, let's say one month after you're going to see that one qualifying payment. But even though you pay all the months after that, it's still going to just say one qualifying payment because what you then have to do is submit each year and then they'll back calculate, they'll backtrack all those other payments and count them. So at the end of the next year, then you'll have 12 or 13 payments, depending upon when you submitted that employer certification form. Um, so just a little, little, little knowledge there, but always make sure that you submit that because that's going to really give you the peace of mind that you were all set because then upon, upon, um, you know, 10 years of qualifying payments, it's really easy for them to process and say that you have qualified because they've been tracking it the whole time. Any, any questions on that? So, okay, just to clarify, um, so basically you put down a payment just like your normal whatever student loan payment, and then that's the qualifying payment. Correct. Yes. Okay. So, so um, basically what will happen is that like, like me, I was on Sally Mae. So Sally Mae had my loans. And so when I went um, and got a qualifying employer um, and – I'm qualified for public service loan forgiveness. Then I go and I contact um, Fed Loan Servicing and they'll transfer my loans. And then I'm going to submit the employer certification form about one month later, one payment later. That way then I can have the peace of mind that at least one payment is tracked. And you can wait two months. You can wait three months. You can, you can submit as many employer certification forms as you want to. It's not even a mandatory form. Um, so you can do it whenever, but HR will get mad at you. <laughs> um, but I like to try to do it as soon as possible, just so I know, like, I'm not wasting months of payments that don't count just so I know everything's all good. That's really good information. And I'm so glad that you went over that because <laughs> so many students wonder about the public service forgiveness loan. So that was a great, you know, simple, easy to follow explanation. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that, those are the, the biggest form is just that one. If you do that, you'll have the peace of mind. Um, and I mean, it is frustrating that a lot of people don't really provide good education on that. And so that's sort of why I'm doing all this is because I've been, I, I, I've been screwed over so many times where I'm like, I don't want people to fall in that same track. Um, so uh, it, it's a pretty simple process. Um, I just keep hard copies, keep soft copies of all your paperwork just in case because you know the government has a lot of paperwork and so just in case so I have a folder that has my my payment history I have a folder of all the employment certification forms that are signed um, the most challenging part of that is you have to commit to having 10 years worth of payments and it's not necessarily 10 years it's basically 200 uh, 240 payments um, and so and oh, I know what I was going to say. I'm so sorry, people listening. I just want to try to give you as much information as possible. Um, it does not have to be consecutive. So say like I'm a woman, I maybe have to take a couple months off to have a baby and come back. That's okay. You're not going to lose out. Those payments, unfortunately, won't count because you're not like technically, you know, still employed and working full time, but it doesn't have to be consecutive. So I can take a year off, come back and you know do a couple years of qualifying employment and then take a year off come back 
and all of that, I'll be able to keep all that and restart at any time. Um, so I just wanted to mention that, that it doesn't have to be consecutive. Um, but the challenge about public service loan forgiveness, as we start to segue back into paying off your student debt, is that you do have to commit to a long time of payments. And so if you have a more digestible amount of student loans, then I would suggest you instead focus on trying to get debt-free ASAP. If you have a crazy amount of loans, like 200K, it's going to be much more challenging. And if you then add on family and other demands, then I would, I would suggest that you go and you try to find some sort of forgiveness route. Does that make, does that make sense? Okay. Definitely. They're, they're nodding. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay. So back to debt back to trying to pay off our debt as fast as possible. So think in your mind, what goal do you want to have? And we're going to try to pay off our loans as fast as possible to minimize the amount of interest accruing because interest is the evil. Interest is what prevents us from paying off our student loans because it's just like dead weight that continues to be added on. So we're never able to dig ourselves out of the hole. So we want to try to pay off $100,000 in two years or less. That's the goal we're going to be working with today on this very crazy podcast. <laughs> um, so I want you to plug that in. I will pay off, plug in your loan amount, in, plug in your desired time in years or less. So for example, I will pay off my loan, $100,000 in time frame, two years or less. The reason why I always put less in there is like, well, might as well try to pay it off quicker. And so that's our goal. Um, and usually, I think financially, rule of thumb, I think you can pay off $50,000 if you follow certain strategies in one year and 100000 in about two years and so forth. So every 50000 add on like another year of trying to pay it off. And I know this is very aggressive. And so if you, you know, adjust that aggressiveness based upon your lifestyle, because I don't know everyone's lifestyle right now. So we made our debt-free goal. So now we're going to lower our interest rate. That's the next part of the framework is to try to lower our interest rate. So high interest rates are essentially like dead weight. They really affect our ability to pay off our student loans. And so one thing you can do if you're trying to aggressively pay off your student loan, and the reason why I'm saying that is that once you refinance, you cannot go back. But if you are focused and know that this is the proper plan for you, you can then lower your interest rate. The only way is through refinancing. And so you want to, before you refinance, try to give yourself sort of the best credit. So um, let me go, go through here. So typically interest rates right now are about six to nine percent. What do you how what are your guys' interest rates? Mine was about seven when I graduated. So oh go ahead. It depends. Mm -hmm. You first, Gabby. I was gonna say I wanna say it's a little over seven, seven point four, but I could be I'm thinking in that ballpark. And then okay. it depends, like some of them. So for example, during the pandemic, the interest yeah. rate is ridiculously low. Like right now my private loans interest rate Okay, it's still not that great, but I think it's like five, like four point something or five percent, which for a private loan, you know, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. So, so this actually brings me to a really good point. So she said she had private loans. So for private loans, you do not qualify for any sort of 
public service loan forgiveness, anything like that. So, so um, you really want to be paying off that private loan aggressively. So you can, this strategy that I'm talking about, you can make it just for your private loans. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you have private loans, yes, focus on paying it off as fast as possible because it's the only option for you. <laughs> if you have government loans, because um, this is good, I didn't specify, then you have those different routes that you can go into. And then, you know, it's a lot more sort of nuanced as to what's the best option for you next. Okay, um, so back to interest rate. So let's take a 7% interest rate, not really talking about compounding that $7,000 a year in extra cost on a $100,000 loan. So that means over 10 years, which is about like usually the minimum of what people take to pay off their student loan, that's over $70,000 extra. And once again, not counting compounding that you are paying over the life of your loan. So if we can simply refinance your loan and lower the interest rate, you will be saving thousands of dollars a year. And it only takes like five minutes to do. Um, and so let's say we could get that interest rate down to maybe 2%. Then now you're only paying 2000. So now you're saving $5,000 a year by lowering your interest rate. That's crazy. So that means you're saving over $50,000 over 10 years, not even counting any sort of compounding. I'm really bad at doing compounding math, so I didn't put that in the presentation. <laughs> and so you can just see how crazy the savings can be on your student loans. It's, it's tens to maybe even hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending upon how long it takes you to pay off your student loans. So for those of you with private loans, and for those of you really wanting to aggressively pay off your loans, this is the second step. So make your goal is step one. Step two, if you feel confident and comfortable with that goal, is to refinance your loan. Now, I am not trying to sell you on anything here. I've got no interest in, in this. I'm just trying to do what's right for you all listening. Only refinance when you have a steady income. And the reason why I say that is because you are... The government, the government's chill. The government's cool. They're like, oh, you can't pay that? It's okay. You know, um, we'll lower it down. I don't know if you guys know this, but if you change jobs and you all of a sudden have a lower paying job, contact your loan servicer and give them your new pay stub that has your new pay. And they will drop your loan payment right away to a different amount. They will recalculate it at any time. So just an FYI. And so... Um, you know, the government is very flexible like that. They will adjust that versus a private company. There's, there is some adjustment, like they do have some, um, you know, forbearance options where if you can't pay for a couple months, they'll allow that to slide, but you do have to pay off that student loan and you do promise to make a certain amount of payment. So that's why when you do take the second step to refinance, I want you to make sure that you already have your job and you feel like it's a good consistent job and give yourself like a little bit of money in the bank because I want you to be able to like have a little fun. I want you to be able to afford food. I want you to be able to afford housing. So give yourself a little bit of time because as you get older, that couple thousand dollars that you didn't save because you, you, you know, maybe took one or two months longer to refinance, it's okay. You're not even going to remember it when you're 50, when you're 60, and especially when you're 90. Um, so it's okay. Uh, is that making sense? Is refinancing making sense? Okay, good. Okay. 
Um, but we do want you to try to make your plan as fast as possible because we don't want you wasting access money. Okay, so then how do we refinance? Um, so basically, you can contact different companies. There's SoFi, there's LendKey, um, uh, there's uh, just so many different companies out there. And then they will give you sort of a quote. And you can also do that um, going to different websites and trying to sort of see, you can put in your information and you'll see sort of, oh, what am I going to get as a quote from each of these companies? And that's a great way for you to say, oh, this company is giving me a better quote than this company. And so just do your research and find who is going to give you the best quote, sort of like car insurance or home insurance. And then you go to that company and that company is just going to basically walk you through. You're going to choose if you want, like how many years you want in your payoff program. So you can like have, you know, you can say that you're going to pay off your debt in five years, pay off your debt in 10 years. And all of that will change actually your refinance number. So if you are really confident that you can pay it off in five years, you'll actually see that when you do the different calculations on the various websites, you'll see that interest rate change. And so that is just because you're promising different uh, payoff timelines and that's more or less appealing to the refinance company. Another thing that is important is your credit score. The better your credit score, the better you're going to get in a refinance interest rate. And so if you can take a little bit of time to really improve your credit score, that's going to also help with not just your credit, um, but also with refinancing. And then one more thing uh, with refinancing is that get a cosigner. Um, that will help you as well. So a cosigner is basically someone saying that if you can't pay, they'll pay. Often it's your parents um, or, you know, an uncle or someone that you, you know, family, family member. Um, what's great is that companies say LendKey will allow you to release that cosigner after one year and so and keep the same good refinance rate. So it's a really great company to potentially think about because you don't, you know, you can ask your mom to co-sign it or dad to co-sign it, whoever to co-sign it, and they don't feel the pressure because you can say, hey, after one year, you'll be released from any obligation. Um, and, but it does lower your refinance interest rate. So it is something to look at when you are comparing those companies. Okay, so we talked, I'm just going through my slides here. So we talked about special, um, you know, that you'll lose public service loan forgiveness. So think about that before you refinance. Um, okay, so I have a little example here. So let's say we have $100,000 in debt and we have a 70,000 full-time job and we have like a pretty good, pretty good credit score. So without refinancing, our interest rates potentially between seven to 9%. After refinancing, I've gotten quotes where I can get 2.5% percent interest rate. And so you can see the potential savings here. Um, well, you can't if you're on a podcast, um, <laughs> but you can see that, that just refinancing, let's say we capped it at a 10-year loan, you are literally um, saving 52,000 versus 9,000. It's just a huge difference in terms of how much interest and how soon you can pay it off. You can just, it's crazy. So there's a lot, a lot of savings. So this one simple step, if that's all you take away from this podcast, is to think about refinancing. It's not the scary evil that you think it is, but 
make sure you have solid ground because the last thing you want to do is do this and not, you know, be able to afford other things, not be able to, to thrive as a therapist. You've worked so hard for this. So make sure first that you have that and then refinance. Um, I'm not going to go into credit score here because it's, we're already getting pretty, pretty late here, but some really simple things you can do for your credit score is just go to creditkarma.com. You can look at your credit score there. If you are a credit score of six, sorry, 760 or higher, if your credit score of 760 or higher, perfect. You don't have to do anything with your credit. You can move on to step four. Now, if you have a lesser credit score, then you can do a couple uh, simple things to help improve your credit score. So credit score is made up of several things. How long you've had credit cards, your credit to debit ratio, the reliability of your payments, the number of inquiries into your credit, and then the types of credit you have, such as student loans, auto loans, credit cards. So the first thing I want you to do is all those free credit cards, don't get rid of them actually. Don't close those accounts because they actually help your credit um, now and in the future. But that's a free credit card. So your free credit cards, make sure to pay them off. You want a zero balance, but hang on to them because that will keep like up the length of how long you've had cards for. And that is 15% of your credit score. Next, 30% of your credit score is your credit to debit ratio. So the more you can pay down your debit, so you know, pay off your, your student loans, paying off your auto loans, paying off your credit cards, that will really help. So when you go to Credit Karma, it tells me like all the time, like, woohoo, your credit score has improved. And it's just because I made a payment to my credit card. Um, reliability of payments. Make sure you put all your credit cards on auto pay. And if you can afford it, don't just do auto pay minimum payment, do auto pay full pay. Um, and that's just because, it, you know, interest and all sorts of things. And you'll just then pay off that card and it will be even better for your uh, credit score. Number of inquiries. It's really something you can't control but uh, it's just basically hard credit pulls. Um, but it's not really anything for you guys to worry about. So those are the big things. So paying off your debt will help keeping your free credit cards or open up some more free credit cards and then pay on time your payments. Just set them to auto pay. That way you never have any late payments and that way it never negatively affects your credit score. Okay, so I'm just skimming through that. But yeah, Credit Karma is great. Um, okay, so then getting a refinance um, comparison, I forgot uh, to give you the um, website because I actually had forgotten it, but it's nerdwallet.com slash refinancing student loans. And that will give you a comparison, no obligation. You know, you just put in your info and it will give you all that different comparison. You can also go to Credible and uh, lead, Lend EDU. Okay. Top companies are like SoFi, Laurel Road, Earnest, Lenkey, Common Bond, Citizens Bank. Um, I can give you guys this spreadsheet if you want to. So I made a little spreadsheet of like all the companies sort of comparing how much you can borrow, the interest rate, um, origination fees, unemployment protection. So I'll give that to the Gratitude podcast and you can go to what is it gratitude.com? We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, <laughs> in, in the show notes. Um, but um, I can, I'll give them this like whole PowerPoint um, that you can go through. 
but basically I've got a little spreadsheet here that can show it. But essentially, SoFi, Ernest, Law Road, Lenke, they are all they're all good loan servicers. They're all good, um, sorry, refinance companies, and they're all very compatible, uh, competitive. And so it's really just, you know, getting a quote and seeing which one's better for you, but they're all very reliable. They all, as you can see on here are pretty much equally, equally good. Um, but just make sure they have, um, no, no fees, um, they all have the interest rate reduction auto pay. And then the co-signer release is something that I really uh, recommend. Um, let's see. I don't think we have enough time to talk about really fast. There's a lot of different nuances we talked about a little bit with refinancing, um, but there's variable and fixed refinance rates. And that's something to think about too, is um, also when you go and choose your refinance that, but you can do the numbers and see which is best for you. Okay. Um, so we've created our goal. We've maximized our credit score, we've refinanced, and now the last, sort of the, not the last, but we're getting close to the end, you guys can do it, is the formula for understanding your debt-free monthly payment. And so that is your loan plus your total interest divided by number of months. That's your debt-free. Um, and you can do a simple calculation also, which is loan times interest rate times time. And so for example, $100,000 times, let's say we've refinanced, it's uh, 4%, so 0 0.04, and then we want to get debt-free in two, uh, two years, so that's 24 months. So we then have to pay a monthly payment of $8,000. Yes, I know, that sounds crazy. But if you work really hard and you maximize your earnings, you minimize your savings. Sorry, whoa. Maximize your earnings, maximize your savings, and minimize your costs. It's getting late. I've been talking for a long time. Um, then that will really help you. So I think I think that's maybe where I will end it. Um, other than just saying, create your goal, lower your interest rate by maximizing your credit score, and then refinancing. Build the repayment strategy, which once again is your debt times your interest rate, times your time, that will tell you how much you need to pay each month. And then try to figure out how you can afford that by maximizing your savings, maximizing your earnings, and minimizing your costs. If you do that and you do unique jobs like traveling or contracting in combination with a per diem, you will make six figures like I did one year out of school, immediately out of school, and you you don't even have to do anything differently. I think that's what I really want to pass on is there's, I'm a healthcare entrepreneur. I love entrepreneurism, but not, that's not for everyone. And you can make six figures without having to be an entrepreneur. You just have to work hard and combine it with a high paying job plus per diem or plus other side hustles. And you will have your six figures and you can pay off your debt in just a couple years. Boom, I'm done. Drop the Boom. mic drop. <laughs> Legit mic drop. <laughs> this was absolutely incredible. And this is the first time we've had an episode where it's detailing step by step and giving all of the listeners actionable steps. And I know we're both going to re-listen to this and go through <laughs> as we are approaching graduation. So if you're just about to start PT school, if you're in PT school, listen to this a few times, take notes. We're going to have everything in the show notes, but Emma, this has been amazing. Like 
so many things I didn't know or didn't realize, like those little details that can make a huge difference. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, I've learned the hard way and I've learned this just sort of going and not a lot of people talk about those nuances. Like, especially if you change a job, dude, save yourself some money right away. Go and talk to your loan servicer and put in that new, that new pay stub and get that recalculated. Um, and, and there's just all these little nuances that you just learn with experience. You just learn from, learn from doing it. And, and I just hope that, I hope that you all listen, take it to heart. And, and, um, you know, I'll give this, uh, PowerPoint to, to the gratitude team here. And I'm just appreciative that I can share my voice, share my story and, um, you know, help, help, help you all pay off your debt, help you from relieving any sort of anxiety, stress that you have. Boom. That's all I have to say. <laughs> um, so for all the students listening, so I have two questions. First, for the current PT students, what would be your biggest piece of advice? Maybe not money related. Maybe it is. I know we talked a lot about finances and becoming debt-free. Um, just one big piece of advice for current SVTs that you would give. Oh, you know what? Um, is really making sure, and we were talking about it a little bit beforehand too, is making sure that you have a ver variety of career experience um, and, and really focusing on that. The more, you're not even going to realize how your internship, you know, you can put that on your resume and that will really help influence you for the rest of your life. Like my first year when I graduated, I did, was a contract PT working at a SNF and then I did per diem as an acute care. And if it wasn't for that per diem acute care experience, I wouldn't have been able to get my very first traveling job, which was an acute care job. And I didn't have any sort of rotations in acute care. I only had that per diem, but I think I'm a pretty good interviewer too, but that, and that allowed me to do traveling and allowed me to change my whole life, like financially and emotionally. And so I think the more varied clinical experiences you can have, the better because that will you will be able to pivot so many times because you're not even going to know what setting you want to be in what setting you want to to eventually set up your career in and so having those varied experiences you're going to take all that learning and you're going to help your patients even more but will also help you if you have to pivot and find new jobs because the world is crazy and you're going to maybe have to move and all sorts of other things so just put as many arrows as you can in your quiver I like that. I like that analogy. And I actually lied. I have two more questions now. <laughs> hey, I'm an open book. Ask as many. I want to help. <laughs> okay. So next one for the people that you have been mentoring and helping to, you know, help them get debt free. What are some alternative healthcare careers that they have kind of got into or things they're doing on the side um, besides travel PT or um, per diem work? Um, good question. Good question. So yeah, my, my, I always talk about careers first because that's really, it's sustainable. It's solid ground, you know? And so traveling, um, contracting, if, if you're like not into doing any sort of entrepreneurial stuff, that's the route to go. If you want to really pay off your student loans. Um, so I have, an uh, I, my co-founder and myself, Dr. Mike Chua, who's great, shout out. Um, we, we also help with a lot of different alternative careers. And so alternative healthcare careers, we talk about um, so many things. And I think my top, oh, it's so tough. I think online wellness is really, I think, like where I've seen a lot of people make a lot of extra income is just simply adding like some courses 
and um, consulting and wellness to, to their repertoire. And it's a great side hustle. And I mean, you already have the knowledge, you already have the degree, you already have everything. All you need to do is put together a couple things, uh, you know, put, put out your presence. And so I think that's really been a great route and, a, and an easy route for a lot of people to do. Um, let's see what else. Um, goodness, there's like, there's so many, like people start kids gyms, people, um, you know, Pilates studios, uh, goodness, social media manager, digital manager, uh, you know, all those things. So I don't know. There's so many, but I think online wellness is like a great pivot. Yeah. And I think that's great for students too, because a lot of the students listening, you guys, I know you have your personal training cert and I know you may not be using it. <laughs> and let's be honest, do you really need it? We won't go down that rabbit hole, but especially if you're coming towards graduation, you guys know so much and it can be easy to compare yourself to all your classmates. Yeah. So, I think, I think it's just so smart. And, and honestly, it just make a Facebook page, make a Facebook group, um, make an Instagram page and just start showing I mean, even as students right now, like just do a video of yourself being like, hey, this is what I learned in PT school. And this is, you know, uh, this mobe and this mobe and, you know, give it a try. And, and who knows what will happen? I mean, you guys know. Yeah, who knows? So the last one is actually just where can people find you? Because we know people are going to be reaching out. What would be the best place? Awesome. So I've sort of focused and, and pivoted everything a little bit more away from debt-free PT com to now alternative healthcare careers.com. So that's if you want to look at all this stuff, um, alternative healthcare careers.com. Um, and then my email is just alternative healthcare careers at gmail.com. And, and you can email me and I'd be happy to, you know, come back again and do like a live webinar to, you know, to walk through any of this uh, as well. Um, but yeah, I'm an, I'm an open book. Uh, I'm happy to help. Awesome. Thank you so much, Emma. And we appreciate you so much. And I know everyone listening is going to be reaching out and just, you know, wanting more. So we'll definitely have to do a part two or a webinar. And we are just so excited. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. I, I had a blast and, and I hope everyone, um, you know, learned a bunch and uh, I really appreciate the time and, and yep, reach out because I'm an open book and I'm happy to help. Thank you so much. Awesome. Have a good day, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our Instagram and Facebook page linked in the description. Looking for a gift for a friend, classmate, professor, co-host of a podcast, or really anyone? Physio Memes got your back with apparel, drinkware, and home decor. And if you go to physiomemes.com, you can get a 20% off coupon with the code gratitude, spelled G-R-A-D-I-T-U-D-E-2020. And don't forget to check out his social media for a good study break laugh. As always, make life humorous.